Well, this is our Easter service, our anniversary service, 36 years. Many of us have been here from the beginning, or some of us at least have. We'll read for, starting here, we're going to talk about the past just for a few minutes. Then we're going to go to the, to the present, then we're going to go to the future. What is God doing with us? Where have we come from? We're, we don't need to forget where we come from. If we do that, then we'll be easily persuaded. That, that's one of the Marxist approaches to handling, uh, taking over a culture, and, and we're not going to allow that to happen. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all making requests with joy as we pray, as I pray for you, for our fellowship with the gospel from the first day until now. And like I said, many of us have been here over the course of these years together. Being confident of this very thing. Everybody listen. That he which has begun a good work in this body, what he has begun in us, he's not through with us yet. He's not through with us yet. And you will perform it to the day of Jesus. We have a destiny. We have an assignment. We've been put in this hub area. We're to take this city. We are to be in these gates. We're to pray. We're to worship. We're to lead people to Jesus. We're to set them free from the bondages of sin. We're to separate those that are in human bondage and in human slavery and, and yank them out. We're to take those that are uh, uh, considering abortions and help them to realize the, the value of that life made in the image and likeness of God that's in that womb and make the doors open of our homes to bring those kids in when they're born. It, it goes hand in hand. If we're going to step up, we need to put our money and our life in, in, uh, in opposition to what the, the world system is doing for such a time as this. It's what God's called us to do. All the areas that we can impact in this area, healing, truth, coming in direct opposition to the humanism. God has put us here for that reason for such a time. And this I pray that your love may abound. That is mega abound to flow forth without any kind of limitations. Yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve the things that are excellent. This is where we're headed to. This is what we're doing. That you may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, and to the glory and praise of God. Now, when we look at our, our past, we cannot leave off and forget what Jesus Christ has done for us. In the Old Covenant, they were all looking forward to the day that Jesus came onto the earth and the blood that he was going to shed and the price he was going to pay in that redemption so that freedom could come in. Jesus came. He went up on that cross. He bore our sin. So, and he shed the blood for us. And the cross is still the answer, and the blood is still the blood. Still the blood. What it does for us. Hallelujah. If you don't know Jesus today, what I'm talking about is there's a peace and there's a freedom in my heart because of my relationship with a man called Jesus Christ who's still alive today. Where the Holy Ghost has drawn me and many of us to that place of confrontation with the sin, who we are, and the realization that Jesus died to set us free from that sin. That's what the freedom is. It's not freedom to do anything I want to do, and it's okay because I'm covered by Jesus dying for me. It never has been about that. That's a lie. What it's all about is me being set free where I can walk in victory now, after victory, after victory, and go closer and closer and closer to him in the image of Jesus being in me and on my life, that I mega bound in that love I'm going to deviate right here, guys, and get off this, what I was saying before. Let's get over here. Praise God. Here we go. Let's see what God wants to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Pastor Seraphine finished last week. In 15.1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. The gospel of Jesus Christ, he came, he lived, he walked the walk. Many saw it. He reached many lives, touched them. They he called them out and they followed him. They laid their lives down, many of them, in the pursuit of being the, the martyrs, the witness that he called them to, to, to be, martus. 
And that's what the rest of this chapter talks about. But then you get over to chapter 15, verse 58, here in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Therefore, my brethren, my beloved brethren, after he talks all about through Paul's writings here about what Jesus had done and overcoming death, the tomb was empty. He'd been res resurrected. Be ye steadfast. Be ye stable. Be, you, be like a pillar. That's what God's calling us to do right now is to make the stand to, to, and, and to be a, a, somebody that is solid, somebody that's not flippant, somebody that's not being tossed to and fro by the waves of the sea with what's going on in the culture, somebody that somebody can walk up and say, you know, Jay, do pray. Jay, you're sitting still at the place. You just happen to be here. Amen. I can depend on him because he's so stable. I know that he loves me. I know he's going to walk with me. I know he's going to watch my back. I can depend on him. How many of us can God say that about uh, the people? Can God say that about me, number one? But how many of us know that people look at us as being that rock? That we've got such a relationship with Jesus Christ that we're able to make the stand that we're called to make. That people can depend on me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to make the stands necessary to where people can look at me and they can see the likeness and the image of Christ because I'm walking so close to it. Okay, it goes next and it says being unmovable. Being unmovable. That deals with emotions. Am I an emotional wreck because of the election? Am I an emotional wreck when things don't go just quite my way? Am I an emotional wreck when I've just got my fingernails done and one of my fingernails breaks? Okay, could be any number of things. What about your business? What about relationships? What about your finances? Those things are natural. When those things don't go quite the way I want to go, am I at the place now where I've truly given my life over to Christ and everything is, is totally dependent on that relationship? And I know that I'm going to have battles to fight and he's going to supply my needs, just like he's supplied these supernaturally for us and by the way, that's, that door's popped open now, so y'all get ready to be blessed. Because when you sow in the right place and with the right heart, uh, the law of sowing and reaping is a natural and spiritual law. There will be a reaping that will come back if we sowed with the right heart. So y'all get ready to get your socks knocked off the way that God is going to bless people. Okay? Many of us have seen that, right? We've already seen a lot of that already. And then the third thing here is to... Uh, Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Everybody say abound. That means to be mega full and it coming out of me and it comes out and it flows out to the east, the west, north, and the south. Everywhere I walk, I'm just full of Holy Ghost because I'm spending time with him. I, I love him. I worship him. His love is real and it's just flowing forth. And I've just got to tell people about it. And I walk up and I see somebody that's countenance has fallen and I begin to, to go over and encourage them and pray for them and see something just breakthroughs happen. Again, every step has fire of God. Holy Ghost, where I have been walking. My, my path behind me are people that have been blessed financially. They've been blessed with healing. Perhaps some have been saved. Some baptized in the Holy Ghost. Maybe a word of encouragement. Whatever it is that God's called me to do for such a time as this, as I'm heading into the future, don't be surprised as we get more and more life and death situations that we're going to save literally lives with what God's going to do and send us. How many of us have actually been in the place at the right time that God determined for you to be there and you actually saved the life of a person? Raise your hand. Okay, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. EMTs do that, don't they? Uh, I've been there. I've, I've been in, uh, instrumental in saving three different people from imminent death where God sent me in. Not, I'm not talking about praying as a chaplain. I'm talking about pulling people out of water where they were drowning or somebody that was in a wreck and the, the thing was about to catch on fire. Not taking glory myself, but just making the point that that's where we're headed to as this culture continues to shake. People are going to need help. 
They're going to leave that hand to be put out there and yank them out of whatever that, that uh, attack is and that hell is that they've got to go on in their life. Amen? So let's take this in consideration as we look at our past, as we look at where we are right now, and as we move into the future. Am I that person that is unmovable? Am I unshakable? Am I over super mega amounting? Can people depend on me? Do they see Jesus in my life? For some of us, we're just determining that we're headed that way. Some of us have been doing this for a while. Maybe we've lost a little bit of our zeal, but it's time for us to grab a hold of that, whether we're just now moving into it, whether we've had a call for a long time, giving up on it. It's time to grab a hold of it and go. Okay? So let's look at our past. Remember the days of old. I will meditate on your works and I will muse on the works of your hands. On March 6, 1982, Benny Hinn, who was then a missionary in Mexico and had spent years preaching and ministering in Nicaragua and Guatemala, he began a season of prayer in a ditch near uh, the Texas-American border. Pastor Hinn had gone there to pray for his adopted daughter, but instead God began to download in him a, a vision concerning the startup of this church. Since God did not reveal when and where the church was to be, Pastor Hand continued working in Mexico and in Texas. Again, that was in 1982. Well, May of 1984, he came here to Alabama and met uh, Pastor Matt Ballard, uh, who was a former police detective, and he was a spirit-filled, tongue-talking Southern Baptist minister who none of his congregation knew that he was spirit-filled. And when they found out, he, he got the, the left boot of, of a Christian fellowship, stepped out, and, and that's where this church came from. Pastor Hand shared that vision, and the two men were put together, and they started the church up together uh, over the course of time. And that was in Feb on February 14th, 1985, the Lord spoke, and Pastor Hand called Pastor Ballard and said it was time. So they came up, and they found a place to pray and fast, and this, that was here in Opelika, in this area, and they began to seek the Lord, and he began to speak to them after a three-day fast period. Uh, they made a list of towns where God might be willing to start a church, Opelika, Auburn was not on that list. So they tried to do it up in the valley, and uh, they started it on one Sunday. Uh, they re quickly realized they were at the wrong place, began to seek the Lord on it. And then they realized the next Sunday that it was supposed to be here. So on April 4th, 1985, they began to they moved the church down here, and they began the church in, in uh, the health spa, which is no longer there. Uh, we had Holy Ghost. A Christian aerobics every Sunday in that old room. And uh, it, guys, y'all are sitting on padded pews now. You know, some of us came out of some, some very immaculate buildings, a lot of trappings. Most every one of us did. And the call of God was so strong in our hearts that, that it was time to step into that place we were looking for, the real thing. And in that little humble beginning, and you can't despise small beginnings, the floor was a synthetic floor. It wasn't like this, though. It was like AstroTurf. And literally, they did aerobics in there during the week. And we didn't have electricity. They turned that off. They said we could use a room without electricity. We didn't have heat. Uh, we figured out how to turn the electricity and the heat on when we need to, though, anyway. And, and God blessed us on that. But it was a beginning point where we went in and we worshiped God. And if y'all go in there in my office, you'll see up on the shelf, there's a little box there. I don't know if y'all noticed that before. That little box was, uh, it's a little speaker with a little microphone that connects to it. And Pastor Hen took that box and he would, would tape it to an upright metal pole that was there. And that's what he led worship on. And there's nothing like Pastor Hen leading worship. It was really awesome. The Spirit of God failed. But you know, he did that for a week or two. He asked the hammocks. They were there. They didn't know what to talk about. And then somebody raised up. I was raised up, and they began to lead worship. And over a period of time, there were 18 of us, I think. Maybe, well, there were actually eight in that first Sunday, a few more than that on the second Sunday. Harriet and I came over. That was in April. We were there in June, and we stuck, came in the church. And that particular group grew, outgrew that place very quickly, so that by February of the following year, we had to move. And uh, that was to the FOP Lodge in Opelika. And God was blessing it. We were on the streets witnessing. There was a growth that was taking place. We were revival. 
we know it. We've been there. We know what it's about. And we were part of it. And the fire of God was burning in our hearts, just like it's burning in the hearts of men and women in this church today. That there's so many similarities. And some of the gray hairs that were there is part of that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We're seeing it right now. And it's got me excited. So after a period of time in October 1986, we went over to Ridgecrest Baptist and we, we uh, found that that property was for sale. We moved in there in September when we started a Christian school. We had that, the school was at the FOP Lodge for uh, just a few weeks. Then we moved it on over and then the church was moved in shortly after that. So we were there in uh, 1991. Uh, we went from uh, there at, at Ridgecrest, and we outgrew that building. And we went over to the, F, uh, the Lane and Hall building on Auburn University, and we were there for about a year and had our services there. And then eventually we moved to this property in 1993 and have been here ever since. On April the 11th, Pastor Penn went to be with the Lord. He finished his race. And that's when Pat, uh, he'd already named he, me as his successor the year before, and I became the pastor at that point. And on April 16th, 2017, we changed the name of the church to officially Fountain Gate Church. So since that time, what we've endeavored to do is we had battles we fought, we had scars, we had some bruises. We had a lot of good things that had taken place over the course of those years. So the last five years have been essentially spent and focused on repairing some breaches, maybe some areas in the foundation that need to be redone. We had some gaps in the walls around us, but virtually everything was very sound that had been put here over the years, and it has been a building up and getting in place the Levites, the singers, the porters, the warriors, those that needed to be in their positions to be ready to function, and that has been... Uh, such a, a blessing for Harriet and myself to be a part of that as we have, have been here over these last five years. Now, the next five years is building the church time. We'll get to that in just a minute. So let's look here at the, the present. What, what's, what's God doing? literally doing right now? What's going on here? In Psalm 85, 16, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you, O God? And in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, can you put that up there? On the overhead. And it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Next verse. And also upon the servants and the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood, fire, and pillars of smoke. Right now, there are more earthquakes and major volcanoes that are active than there have been in centuries, literally. That's not, just, that's not an exaggeration. There are seasons, there are times in Earth's history when uh, nature just erupts in a different uh, mode, totally opposite of what you're used to as the norm. And we're seeing that right now, and it's a sign, it's a wonder. Go ahead and the next verse. Let's put that up there. And the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Hallelujah. Revival is here. For in the Mount and in, in uh, Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant. Everybody that's in, a member of the remnant, raise your hand. The remnant. We're also, uh, there's a part of the remnant that's called the residue. The residue. That's a picture of a group that has, has uh, you've been out camping before, right? Most of us have been out there. And you know how you can, can make shavings out of uh, wood, and you go and get, and it's dry, especially in wet conditions. Sometimes you have to get that, those shavings, those dry little dust, dust particles, those will ignite very readily where the rest of the wood won't until it gets hot and, and dries out. That's what we are. If we remember the remnant, and we've gotten serious about God, and we're seeking Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're part of the residue, and we're, at any moment, we're prone to ignite with a fire of revival that's going to spill out, that's going to be that being unshakable, unmovable, on fire, super overabounding with His presence to make a difference in the world system like what He's called us to make. So that's where we are right now in the present. 
And Joel 2 is where we're going to be for the next seven years, if what I've heard is correct from God. So let's look over here at the, the, a picture of revival. It's in Nehemiah chapter 7. And we're going to study this a little, just a few minutes, and then look at the, a little bit of the, the vision where we're headed to into the future with what God has given us today. And Nehemiah, going back, if you look in chapter 1, it talks about a man that has a burden because he sees the people scattered all over the, the countryside. The temple is in disarray. There's nothing left of it. It's been destroyed. The walls are down. The gates have been burned. And so he has a heart to go back and rebuild and to, to enter in. And that's, that's man's called Nehemiah. God makes a way for him to do it. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 7, Now it came to pass when the wall was built, and I had set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed, that I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And I said to them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot, and while they uh, stand by and let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watchers of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch, and everyone to be over against his house. So here we have a picture. The walls are built. They've been physically doing it. Spiritually, this is what we've been doing too. We've been rebuilding. We've been closing those breaches, and the approaches have been rolled off of us. The uh, setting up of the team ministry that God has given us a vision for here is not a one-man show. This is about us as a body accomplishing what God's called us to do as a, as a people. The doors are symbolic of the prophets. The doors are symbolic of the prophets in the gates. Porters are the intercessors, the ones that see, the ones that let in and out. The prophets are also going to be up on the wall, but there's also going to be prayer that's going to be there. Singers, our worship team. The Levites, the deacons, those that are actually doing the work physically as well as the priests that are handling the spiritual side of that. And we are given authority over the city. Even as he says here in verse 2, I gave authority to Hananiah and Hananiah charge over Jerusalem. Where that's going to come in is going to be fearing God, listening to the word of prophecy. Now, if I'm listening to prophecy, I will fear him because I fear him enough to where when I hear that, I'm going to walk into it and I'm going to obey it. Okay? The other side of that is I don't fear God. I'm not going to be obeying what he's called me to do in that respect. So am I a faithful man that fears God? Do I revere him? Do I understand how serious this covenant is between me and him that when he does speak that I need to walk into it? Am I serious about this and fear him enough that I live in his ways? What about that little fox, that little thing that has been there for years? Am I going to still pursue that and hang on to it? Do I fear him enough to take care of his interests and seeing his kingdom is built? Am I oppressor and abuser of, of people where he gives me authority? Or do I serve God like a public servant is supposed to be the way that he's set me up to be and, and really gear me to be if I'm flowing with his nature? Do I continually fear him and walk in that? The other side of this was a person of prayer who's a faithful man. That's what Hananiah and, and uh, Hanani, Hanani were. Hananiah and Hananiah. Hananiah means grace or gracious. Hananiah means God has favored. So if I'm fearing God and I'm walking faithfully before him, then God is going to see me as, a, as somebody he's going to give gracious favor to. And he's going to look at me as being a man that uh, has his favor. It's the way it's going to work. So here we go. Let's get on over into uh, chapter 8. Watchers are up on the wall. We've got the prophets in place. The intercessors are doing what they're called to do. We've been building that for years. We've got the upper room now. We've got to have the IDF in place. They pray for this service every Sunday. Do an awesome job with that. That's how, why we're able to do what we do. Not just them, but the, the prayer teams that we've had in place for years are doing what they're called to do too. Prophets are prophesying. We're not quenching the voice of God. We're doing what we know to do to stir up and cultivate the presence of God and His Holy Ghost when we come in because this can't be done in the flesh. So the, this is where we are, where we're headed. But this has to be developed. It has to be built. It doesn't just come at random. Does everybody understand that? That we've got to do this in our own life. Terry, are you going to be revival? 
Joe, are you going to be revival? Harriet, are you going to be revival? We've got to do these things personally, and we have to do it collectively. You know, the, the Marines uh, and, and the Special Forces, they have uh, a mindset that we're not going to leave one man behind. You have heard that before? And they don't. They'll go in and they're going to take them out. Whatever the cost, they're going to do that. That's the same thing it is with, with us. We're all part of the same family. We're all part of the same body. And we've got to take that approach. The bondages, really the, the, uh, the open doors in the, the unseen places. That's what I'm seeing right now. There's, that, there's a, uh, the, the aspect of offense that's there. Sometimes it's secondary, where somebody else in our family maybe gets something that's not done right. Maybe but it might be for myself. It might be for somebody that's not even my family where we see somebody wronged. And perhaps it was somebody in our church that did it. Those areas there are what God is dealing with right now in the hearts of men. We're standing there on the River Jabbok. We're wrestling with that angel. Now, when I leave there, am I going to be changed? Or am I going to have to, to go back and redo the test? Perhaps I'm standing at the Red Sea and looking across and seeing the, the, the waves and the winds blowing, but I can't get across there. It's too far. And I look around, and I see the Egyptian army coming. Am I going to enter into that spirit in that season of, of worship and praise to come out of that bondage of to sin that I was in? Or am I going to stay there? That's up to us to, to learn to really, truly to become a worshiper of God. I'm concerned about some of you because I see and I hear, but yet you're saying the right things and doing the right things a lot of times. But when it comes into worship, it seems to still be an optional course where God has made us to worship him. It's a reflection of, of how grateful we are to him. Amen? Perhaps I'm standing at the, at the uh, Jordan River and I'm about to go in with Joshua and the wrestling is taking place there. And I know another side is Gilgal. I'm going to have to go through the circumcision of the heart when I get over at that place. But I'm standing on that bank and we're about to go over and consider that you're one of the priests. For years, all you've done is follow the movement of God and he's been moving as a cloud. And where he's gone, you followed him. If he stayed at one place, you stayed there. That was simple. But now... God speaks through Joshua and says, I'm doing a new thing. And I'm going to tell you this, God is doing some new things right now. If you're a priest, guys, you better hear God where you're walking because that ark that you've been carrying, that's the presence of the living God. He's on your shoulders. So when you make that step and you walk in that water, what you're going to have to do in just a few minutes, when you got across this, that thing's flooded right now, you got to put your feet in that water first. And the people are going to be watching everything you're doing. And they're going to follow right where you go. Elders, that's where we are right now. It's a new thing. There's a shift in the way we follow God. Perhaps we've heard God through uh, reading in the Word, and it, we've depended on this for years, and He'll still speak to us this way. Perhaps many of us have gotten into worship, and we have downloads that come, and we hear Him that way. Perhaps we hear scriptures that he gives us in our spirit, and for years we've depended on that. I'm going to tell you this. Prepare yourself if you haven't already noticed this. He's going to start speaking to you in dreams or visions. Or in, there'll be other... He's, he's so creative. He's going to come up with ways that will blow your mind if you're allowed to and communicate with you and show you where he's moving. And he's wanting you to drop right in that middle of that river that I shared on up at the, on the mountain. Get right in the middle of that river and flow with him. And then people are going to see the blessings. They're going to see how you prosper. Now, that, those are for elders, but also, who are the priests, kings in the, in the new covenant? Every one of us. This holds true for us. To grab a hold of where he is and say, but God, what are you doing? And not put him in a box for such a time as this. For such a time as this. So what's the other river that we know about, another bank? It's on the Jordan as well. A man called Elisha and Elijah are walking together. A master sowing into a disciple, raising him up, what, side by side for years. 
They go from, where was it, Gilgal, you know, that separation, the, the, the uh, circumcision of the hearts, what I'm looking for here, repentance. Then they go to Bethel, the house of God. Don't stay there, keep going. They go to uh, Jericho, keep moving. Go across the, the Jordan River and the death that's symbolic there. Go to the other side. And the only one that's, that's willing to go across that death to self, which Jericho, I'm sorry, the Jordan River is, is Elisha. And he goes right there with Elijah. And he gets the double portion. He gets the mantle. Now there's some giftings, there's some mantles that are here still that have not been picked up. It's time for us to get those too. Again, this is something different. And, it, and I'm going to tell you, if you're not... Um, Trembling and a little bit of a natural fear of picking something like this up. Something's probably uh, maybe wrong with you. Because <laughs> God is going to take you to places you don't want to go. It's not going to be convenient. It probably will cost you everything that you've held dear up to this point, potentially. He's going to want it all anyway. He's not going to ask you necessarily to give it up. But it's all going to be there. This is where we are right now in the present. This is all a part of this, this revival season where God's Spirit is moving on the hearts of men to draw us into the place He wants us to be, to be usable as the answer, as the revival, as the life, as the awakening comes forth in this nation. We are the answer that He's wanting to raise up. In Nehemiah 8.1, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man. One man. There has to be in every revival there will be unity. Everybody say unity. Now, that, does that mean that we all think just alike and we say the same things? Come here, uh, media. I don't know if y'all realize it or not, but Amelia and I are twin brothers. We look just alike, don't we? I know y'all have trouble telling us apart. Now, he was born from, in another culture, another group of people, but there, there's no difference. He has the same longings in his heart as I have. He has the same needs as I have. And we're brothers. He doesn't think like I think. We're different. He has different gifts and different talents than I have. And I got the good looks. Everybody said amen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right. I said that in humility, right? Okay. okay. All right. So the, the, the point is, still, there's unity that's here. We love each other. I take him where he is. He takes me where I am. We don't always agree on the same things. We don't always believe just alike. But we're going to be in unity. We've already made the decision. We're in covenant relationship for life. Come hell against us. It doesn't matter. High water come against us. That's okay. We are standing. We're unmovable. We're unshakable. We're super mega abounding. And we're going to hold each other up. I'm going to keep this back clean off of him. No, the enemy's not going to counterattack him from back there, and he's doing the same thing with me. That's what this is about. Thank you. You can have this seated. That's probably the greatest compliment that you've ever had to be my twin brother. <laughs> Amen. Does this make any sense? Gathered together. God's brought us here for such a time. And in verse 2, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, of the men and the women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women. Those that could understand in the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. We need to be reading the word daily. That's going to be... See, what I'm getting into, these, these are a picture, a biblical pattern of revival. Am I reading the Word daily? Do I have a hunger for it? Do I have a thirst for it? Am I getting into it and it's just blowing up and, and just becoming clear, greater clarity to me? Am I hungry? I've got to have it. This is food for me every day, just more, more precious than the natural food that I eat. So unity is number one. Am I a person of unity? Am I buying into the covenant that here? Have I heard God to be here, number one? And am I now entering in and understand that I've got a purpose and a place in this body and a function just like everybody else does, and I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to make a point of that. And now I'm reading the Word daily. I've been drawn into that. Verse 5 will be the, the you know, third thing here that are aspects of revival. 
and that fire burning in, this, in the present right now. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. The people made a stand. It's time to make the stand on the word for holiness and righteousness, doing what God says to do and what he has planned on doing in this season. And, and uh, I'm going to make my stand for that and not for the things of the world. I'm separating myself out. In verse 6, and Ezra blessed the Lord and the great God, and all the people answered, saying, Amen and Amen. We're lifting up their hands. They bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord and their faces to the ground. With their faces to the ground. Worship. Having a worshipful heart. Coming back again to that is, it has, is required as a part of what men, uh, what, literally what God does in men when revival is actually taking place. Have I entered into a deeper level of worship now? Has our worship team entered into a deep, a deeper place? What do y'all think? I think so. It was astounding. We had really good acoustics. Uh, the stage area was probably three times the size of this up there, so they were able to spread out and really, really do what they needed to do. Uh, the sound system was was just perfect. And when we walked in that room and began to worship up there at the conference this weekend, it was astounding. It's astounding. We basically entered into a, uh, an impact-type service on Thursday night, and I honestly could have stayed there all night long. It was so sweet, the worship was. And the Spirit of God moved and touched people's hearts. God inhabits the praises of his people. Maybe that's one reason I don't enter into worship like I need to is I'm in fear of really coming into his presence Maybe I'm holding some of myself back. Maybe I've got still some areas that I hold too dear. Now consider that. Because the only way, the only answer on that is to go ahead and repent and turn and enter right on in. So we're looking at being in unity. That's what he's calling us into in this season. He's drawing us in to read the word daily, to making a stand and to be a true worshiper. Verse 8. So they read in the book in the, the, of the law of God distinctly, they gave the sense and caused them to understand what they were reading. And it talks about Nehemiah and the Levites and Ezra the priest. They taught the people. In this season, we are entering into to more of a, a season of teaching and instruction that we've been in because of the COVID. We've got, we've got our faith groups that are happening every night. You've got a choice. Depends on your schedule, where you want to go. We have Bible studies that are about to begin to, to spring up some will be once a month. Uh, there's, there's one that will probably gear more to ladies that have young children. That'll be coming per, here shortly. Another one that may be geared more to older ladies. But certainly, you can, if you're, it's not going to be uh, restrictive if you want to be a part of that. And you may not be in that age group that the, uh, most of the others are in. But that's fine. It's going to be up to you. We'll have a Bible study on Tuesdays as a part of uh, the fellowship lunch when we get that cranked back up. Uh, youth, we have some things in mind, and we're looking to do th some things and getting you guys some special encounters. We'll call them not meetings, but encounters. Do some things for our kids. So there are things in the works right now that we're going to enter into. We're not going to do it quick. We're just going to let the Holy Ghost lead us. And there'll be also, we can't leave this out, it's prayer. We'll have this off, uh, building open. Uh, every day it's open anyway. We've got a prayer room in there. But I know that one of the elders has a vision to have soaking music playing during the lunch hour on one day. And they're going to be here every day on, the, on that, that particular day during the week and just do nothing but come in and, and pray and seek the Lord. One, another elder has a vision for one of the afternoons coming in about 3 o'clock of that particular afternoon and praying and hammering it. Just the burden is there for them to do that. So we'll have the option of any of these things to come in and be instructed, be equipped, and, and be anointed, really, with the presence of God and pray, stand in the gap. Prayer is nothing more than two-way communication between God and man. Anybody here can pray if you know Jesus. If you've asked him to come in your heart, you can pray. So that's, those are there's some of the things that are ahead of us. I'm getting a little bit into the future now. But yet it's still here in this, this present season that we're in and preparing ourselves for where we're headed to. True worship, being taught the word, 
And this is what happens when we begin to truly worship God. We get the word in us. Holy Ghost starts to move. And the last part of verse 9 says this. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. All the people wept when Holy Ghost moved during worship. All the people wept when they heard the testimony of the healing that took place in the person's life. All the, the people began to weep as they began to realize that it, it, we're all common there and, and we have a common uh, bond with the Lord. He didn't look at anybody in, in, uh, any higher. What's the word? What's the scripture that, that I'm looking for here? Sometimes I get ahead so far ahead with my mouth from my mind when I'm thinking or vice versa. He's not a respecter of persons. Every one of us he values just exactly right. In verse 10, and he said to them, Go your way and eat the fat. Everybody likes to eat, right? We all do it pretty regularly. And drink the, sw- uh, the sweet and send portions unto them to whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 12. And all the people went their way to eat, to drink, to send portions, to make mirth, because they had understood the words that had been declared to them. So this is called... Cutting covenant. We eat together. We spend time together. We worship together. We travel together. We go to, to Gunnersville State Park and uh, worship and fellowship and invade the restaurants together up there. That, that town is not going to be the same. I know some of the waiter, waitresses and waiters in that uh, restaurant there. Is it Pinehurst or Pinecrest that was there at the, the, ledge, the lodge that we stayed in? Uh, they, they lit up. I don't know if y'all noticed it. Every time we walked in there, they said, hey, y'all come on. Because they had gotten so blessed being around us over, the, over those days that were there. They, they, uh, they know we're coming back. They want us to come back. Unity. Am I in unity with this body? God's doing that right now. He's doing the work in us. Am I reading the word daily? Am I making a stand? Am I ready to stand up to that calling God's put in my life? Whatever it is. Am I a true worshiper? Am I getting deeper into worshiping Him? Am I studying the Word? Am I teaching it? I'm walking in it? Have I got to a place now where there's, I'm worshiping so much, I'm getting so much of the Word in me that God is all in my stuff and I'm repenting, I'm weeping before Him on a regular basis. This is revival. This is shifting, this is change. I'm not the same as I was two days ago. Am I making a point now to come out of the closet, out of the cave, out of, of whatever it is that, that fortress I've built around me and spending time breaking bread with, with Pastor Bill, with the, uh, the Amy, Allie, anybody that's in the body? Am I breaking it out and going ahead and beginning to really plug together with, in fellowship with people in the body? Is that where I am right now? So that's what God's doing with us. It was so much like days of old, looking at the past and bringing to remembrance Laguna Beach. Wasn't it? I mean, it really was, wasn't it? So sweet. So that's where we are. We're heading more in that uh, area of revival now. So Pastor Jeremiah had a dream. I'm going to share that right now. Is that okay? Okay. He had a dream that um, he and I were up here and we were testifying about healings that had been taking place. And he, he just happened to look up, and he, he looked in the, in the uh, assembly. And he said there was not a, a seat left in here, that everybody was sitting shoulder to shoulder to shoulder. I believe we're about to enter into season increase. Where we've come from, what, is God, what God is doing right now is equipping us to where charity, you're going to be discipling people where you've been the discipled. Mac, you're going to be teaching where people have been teaching you. Gershon, you're going to have some that are going to be drawn to you that you're going to be discipling where you never dreamed you to be doing that because it's going to be necessary because the elders, we're not going to be able to, to minister to everybody. There's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Understand this. The judgment that's rendered, it's already been determined, is going to be severe for some in this culture. They're going to need somebody to reach out and grab them and yank them up and bring them to life. That's who we are. That's what we're headed to. Fear will try to come on you. You do not have to uh, uh, 
bend the knee to that. You've not been ordained to walk in fear. You're to walk in power, love, and sound mind. You're to go out with the answers and be the answer. And our, our days of walking soft. Now, I'm not talking about tiptoeing. I'm talking about a soft lifestyle may be coming to an end. I don't know. Many of us have been campers for many years, so I don't think that's going to be a problem for us. But as we move into the season, there's going to be great joy with this. Great joy. In fact, that's, that's what part of this revival season is. Joy should be coming on us. And we're going to see people's lives change like we never dreamed before. And every one of us here at Montana, your age group, Wayne, Hannah, y'all going to see things that are going to blow your minds. God is going to use y'all in a tremendous way. Now just get ready, get, get your running shoes on. It's going to be astounding to you. All right, does this make any sense? The key here is going to be the household leaders. If you're a husband, wife, what are you going to do? Are you going to be revival or are you going to be uh, one that sits on the sideline? Uh, really, there's not any spectators in this sport. If you're going to do what God's called you to do as an elder and you're a revival, the people that are following you, they're going to enter into revival too. It's the way it works. It comes from the top down. If you have light, gladness, joy, honor in you, people are going to follow you. People will get saved. They're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit if you've got that in you. If you've got the overflow, if you're steadfast, you're unmovable. How do you line up with that? See, those things are going to be required to be able to reach and to have people follow you. The church will mature and will be fruitful directly related to how our leaders grow and how faithful they are in this season. These are stipulations, I believe, that are from the Lord that we need to qualify on. We need to honor, we need to stand, we need to labor and be faithful to what God's called us to do. And we're going to get that double portion of anointing like Elisha did. All right, so where are we headed to? We've seen the, the past where uh, we came from. We, we're, we're looking in a, a revival season where God's stirring us up now and getting us ready. So the, the future, deacons, uh, who would give these out? I don't know if I have enough for every family. Maybe one for each, each family Maybe what we need to do here with this. This is something you've received, and I'm getting it back out to you again because we need to keep this in front of us. But this is the, the vision to raise up generations for Jesus. We have it sitting out there in the, in the uh, hallway. But number one, where we're headed to in the days ahead is reestablishing Auburn as a spiritual and education center for God that it was designed to be from the very beginning. Number two, to be a church known for faithfulness and in intercession, consecration, worship, love, evangelism, teaching, preaching, covenant relationships. You know, it sounds like a lot, but we're doing that. That's who we are. Courtship, discipleship, development, as empowered and led by Holy Ghost. We're not using the Sunday school manuals, little books that were written by the denomination office. We're going right directly, bypassing the ways of men. We're going right to the Holy of Holies, and we're pulling from that. We've got gifted teachers here, and uh, men and women of God, to go ahead and do these things. So number three, maintain a foundation of Jesus in all ministry areas. And that would include fivefold ministry. Uh, this is a mother church. This is a mother church. Now, what does that mean? That means that we train, we raise up, and we're released. We train, we raise up. This is, now, first, you've got to get them saved. We train, we raise up, and release. And we've seen several, well, that, last week, we sent one uh, as a lateral move. We sent a couple to go help Pastor Chris with what he was doing. I don't expect you all to stay here. If you feel led that you're supposed to go somewhere else to start a church, we'll enable you to do that. We'll empower you. We'll equip you to do that. If some of you are supposed to go, and, and you know, Pastor Sharon Brent uh, shared this at the conference, which I thought was astounding. She was talking about the Moravians. Amazing what they did. For 100 years, they were praying. For 100 years, they were warring spiritually as they interceded. But it wasn't just praying they were willing to go and to do what it took. 
they've had the burden in their hearts to go and be missionaries. And the only way to go to certain areas was to go in and give themselves up to enter into slavery. They became slaves, and they sent them on those ships and sent them over to other nations over in Latin America and around the Caribbean. That's amazing, isn't it? They went into slavery willingly so they could be carriers of the gospel to those people. Am I willing to step out anything like that? That challenged me. I don't know about you guys. When I heard that story, I thought, oh, my God. You haven't required that of me, but would I do that? I believe I would, but you never know until you get to that place. There's a philosophy of some that we're, we're just all supposed to be staying right here and we're not supposed to be, be sent out and going other places. I'm sorry, but that doesn't line up with what the Word says. That there's a time and a place that we rise up and we scatter. And the way that it happened in the New Covenant Church, in the, uh, in the New Testament Church, rather, it took per, uh, persecution, heavy persecution for that to happen. Let's don't make that happen. It have to be the reason here. See, God has told me he's going to ignite. He's been igniting us now for years, five years. Then the outpouring was going to come, and the outpouring is here, is not upon us now. And then he's going to scatter us. He's going to send out people. And that's all part of what this vision is about. For those that are supposed to be sent out, many will stay here and help to, to raise up the new ones coming in and get them ready to go. Promote team ministry. We're going to continue doing that and grow more and more in that area. Number six, impact the spiritual gates. Number seven, be a hub here for counseling, healing, deliverance, salvation, everything along that line. Be known for promoting strong families. Be debt-free. Procure and properly maintain high-quality facilities. That's coming next, another building. Exceed the Spirit. Have a skilled and anointed worship team. Number 12, have a high-quality discipleship-based Christian school. That We're waiting for the time on, on something new for that. God's doing a new thing in that area. 13, have a high-quality Bible college and a school of ministry. Number 14, have a highly visible, active, successful evangelism team impacting our Jerusalem, this hub right here. And then number 15 is to impact very, very heavily a 500-mile radius around this area, you, this being the hub in outreach, essentially the southeast. And when we found out that Auburn and Opelika were the, was the gate for the southeast, that was after we got this vision God spoke to us. So what goes here is going to impact literally Atlanta, Montgomery, Columbus, uh, going on out west, up, up north from here. The southeast, is the, what is the key is what happens here and what we're able to accomplish in this area. We've got a great, great breakthrough coming. And we have a great uh, opportunity to be a part of something major that God wants to do here in the South. I, I, that excites me, that he wants to use us the way he wants to use us. All right, so take heed to yourself. Am I serious about this thing called the gospel? Am I doing what God's called me to do? Am I going to be willing to move into where he's taking us for such a time as this? This revival time. Don't forget where we came from. Can't do that.